0: This
1: is the Personal Profitability Podcast with Eric Rosenberg. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome back to the Personal Profitability Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Eric Rosenberg. And, you know, there's something I've noticed. uh, It's a cultural norm. I'm sure you've noticed it too. A lot of people get awkward and squeamish when you talk to them about money or anything related to your income, personal finance, all that stuff. It is so taboo, faux pas, off limits. You know, there's a lot of words that describe things you're not supposed to talk about in polite conversation. But I think this is wrong. I think this is such a bad thing we have because by not talking about money and business and income, we are limiting people's knowledge. You know, if you sit by yourself and never talk to anyone about money. What will you learn from somebody else about money? I mean, sure, you're listening to this podcast. You probably read some personal finance blogs, things like that. If you're listening today already, that's probably up your alley. But you know, I I I just can't get past when people are so squeamish about it. Because at the end of the day, it's just money. I mean, yeah, money. lets us do everything we want to do in our lives or prevents us from doing a lot of things in our lives but at the end of the day if someone knows or someone doesn't know what's the difference you know that's why i have been sharing my income reports on my website since 2011 i believe or 2012 (laughs) that was the the beginning of them you know i've been sharing what i've been making online so i can inspire other people to do the same thing and there's other people who share income reports out there that inspire me it's it's a big world of financial possibilities. And one friend I really like talking about my money with is a guy named Robert Farrington. Now, Robert is a kindred spirit. We have both worked for this same company at one point in our life, but he still has a full-time job, as I did most of my time building my online business. And on top of that, he has he hasn't told me the exact numbers, but I'm going to assume it's a six-figure in income from his website. So he's very successful at work. He's very successful online. He has a wonderful family. Just buying a new home. You know, he's got it going on. And when I talk to him about money, it makes me want to do better myself. And I try to surround myself with friends like that you know robert i know because of fincon same way i know a lot of guests we've had on the show so far in the last 60 some episodes but i have other friends i talk to about money too but because robert is so awesome at talking about money i wanted to have him on the show to chat about all sorts of things so uh here we are me and my pal robert from the college investor that's the chatting about money and income and all sorts of other things right after these messages stay tuned you probably noticed that over the last year and a half this podcast has never had a single ad but i'm sorry to say it's changing right now you'll always know it's an ad because of this funky cool loungy background music and it'll only come from companies that i trust and believe in so if you have a company that i might trust and believe in let me know. We have opportunities for you to advertise right here and reach the listeners who also enjoy this show. So whether you're trying to get a hold of people who are into investing or personal finance or entrepreneurship or side hustles, whatever they're doing, you can reach them here at the Personal Profitability Podcast. I'll work with you to find the right ad link, the right rates, everything we need. So what are you waiting for? Send me a note, head to personalprofitability.com contact to get in touch who knows what's possible never know unless you try thanks so much and we'll talk to you soon all right so i am here sitting with on the uh, on the earbuds my good buddy robert farrington we have been both been members of the fincon community for a long time now and he runs the college investor say hello to everyone robert hey everybody hey eric thanks for having me on your show So, when you, what started you down the path of blogging and founding the College Investor?
0: Honestly, uh, the story is I was bored in the back of my college class. So I was that guy on my laptop in the back row. And, uh, you know, I, I was I don't know if I was too cool for school or I didn't really care what was going on, but um, I was tuned out and I was reading other personal finance blogs and I was following Yahoo Finance and like reading everything I could about investing. It really intrigued me. I love the idea of making money and earning money and investing in the stock market. And uh, so I was doing a lot of reading about it. And, Um, I came across other people that were talking about this kind of stuff and I was like, you know what I can share my random thoughts on it too And that's how it started. It wasn't very good But it was my random thoughts on investing in personal finance
1: and don't the best blogs have stories like that Here's my opinion. And this is why you should listen to me.
0: (laughs) Yeah, right? And I'm like, you know 22 year old kid in a college class that really has no real-life experience, but you should listen to me so But
1: now you do have some real life experience and you've kept this website going on the side. So what has it been like balancing running your own business and your own website with a full-time job that is one, um, I know it's very demanding on your
0: schedule. Yeah, you know, uh, it's interesting. Running a website is kind of like the most flexible job you can have, which is awesome if you are going to work full-time. So I do work full-time. My schedule does vary a little bit, but running a website allows me to... uh, work nights and weekends. I I can check my email pretty much anywhere on my smartphone, and uh, I can can go from there. So it definitely allows for balance, and I think that's what's cool. Of all the side gigs you can kind of have, running a website is uh, probably one of the most flexible there is.
1: So with your personal finances, how has your money been impacted by this website to share your ideas that you came up with in college?
0: Well, honestly, hugely. Um, one, I learned a lot of things that I was wrong about. Uh, you know, when I started in college, like, I really is the college investor, and I was like, you should buy XYZ stock. And I did, like, I was doing research and, like, sharing my opinions. And, you know, over time, I've really learned about. Um, What it actually takes to be on par with the market and what you should do to, you know, build long term wealth the right way. And so now I focus on a broad based diversified low cost ETF portfolio. I, you know, focus on minimizing fees. I look for tools that I would have never thought of before. So one of the benefits of being self-employed is that you get access to things like a, a SEP IRA or a Solo 401k, which allows you to save for retirement in a tax-deferred way and save on taxes today, which is always a fun thing. And so it just really opened my eyes. Like writing my blog has also been my own education in personal finance. So do you, you
1: know, for others, did, do you... Do you think the time spent in investing should be, you know, should be a lot of time? Should it be something you're looking at every single day? Or do you think more of a hands off, step back approach is better and why?
0: I think, honestly, it should take about two to three hours of upfront education. So whether you read blogs, whether you go to a class, uh, whether you get that in your college or uh, maybe through your employer, just educate yourself for two to three hours and then set up a low cost, simple portfolio that you automatically invest into and let that money grow over time. You should never look at it. Maybe look at it once a year around tax time. I think everyone looks at their money around tax time. Uh, make sure you're on track. Uh, tinker with things if you feel like the need to. Just let it go, let it grow. Um, I think most people. one of the things I learned is most people don't realize when you're under like 35 or 40, the biggest driver of your wealth isn't gonna necessarily be what stocks you pick or what funds you're in. The biggest driver of your wealth is simply how much you're gonna save. So if you can just get a nice system down, put money away every single week or every single month, however you get paid, and just let that money grow, you'll be off to a really great start. So
1: you know, your own personal finances, you, know, you said they were impacted by your website, which is its a pretty sizable site. It gets a lot of good traffic. It's exciting. Um, for other people looking to improve their finances, would you recommend starting a website or starting a business like this?
0: yeah i mean that's my kind of personal finance philosophy i believe in kind of the earning more bucket uh, i think you've talked about it before too eric is you oh, yeah, kind of like my be, that's my pride and joy <laughs> right i mean you can be frugal right and you can cut all the lattes and you can do all that stuff and it's important to not be frivolous don't get me wrong but you know what you can only cut so much if you really want to have like an extra boost towards your personal finances go out and earn it, it could be starting a blog or a website but you know what you could go drive for for uber tomorrow you could go sell things on ebay right now i guarantee you that you have junk dvds cds something in your house right now that you could sell and start making money Um, there is so many ways that you could earn extra money every single month and i think people forget that and that's really kind of my philosophy is let's go earn it let's uh you know don't go crazy don't don't be uh, flying private planes and doing, uh, you know, going to Vegas every weekend if you can't afford it. But at the same time, you know, you don't need to live on ramen every single day to try to achieve your financial goals.
1: So, how do you suggest people find the right balance between budgeting and trying to earn more? You said you don't have to live on ramen, um, but you also maybe shouldn't fly private jets. There's somewhere, somewhere in the middle there. Uh, how do you yeah. think people should try to find their target point? where they can live comfortably, but still live in that right budget?
0: Sure, I think it's important to just start with that budget. So I think your budget should kind of be zero sum for like your mandatory stuff. So if you got your rent, maybe student loan payments, uh, you know, maybe a car payment, whatever, your monthly groceries, utilities, all that, Income, expenses, and a little bit of savings like that should like be pretty equal, and that should be your budgeting starting point, kind of zero sum. And then I think people should look at earning more beyond that, and take that extra income and apply them towards your goals. So maybe your goals are to get a student loan debt faster. We'll take that extra income, start putting it towards your loans. Or maybe your goal is to save for a house. So take that extra income and put it in a savings account so you can have that down payment for a house. So I think it's important that you do budget. You know where your income and expenses are to get on par. And then use the extra as like a legitimate, like leverage up on your goal.
1: So do you have any uh, memories of any financial oopsie moments that you broke your budget and you regret now?
0: You know, I, I don't necessarily think I broke my budget, but I did when I was 22 years old. I graduated college and I bought the brand new car. Um, I went out and got a, it was, I think a 2007 Acura TL. Do you still brand- have it? You know what? I just sold it though. So, you know, the the one thing I did recoup on is I drove that bad boy for 10 years. Um, but I went out there and I got a car loan and I was paying, I remember it was like $738 a month was my car loan on that car. And I was like, i got gone to college and I got a job and I earned it. But I was like, that was so dumb, man. I should have just got like a $8,000, $10,000 used car. And uh, not had that crazy car payment, and if I would have saved all that money ten years ago, it would have grown so much by now. Um, and then not just only that, but to make matters worse, I like also put subwoofers in the trunk and thought I was really cool with like an amplifier and subwoofers. Well, sub-wolfers. obviously you need
1: <laughs> subwoofers in your trunk because like, yeah, man. I mean, otherwise, you don't feel like Vin Diesel very much,
0: right? Like I mean, <laughs> it was it was like an awesome car when you were 22 years old and thought you were the shit. And Now, you know, it's just like wow.
1: Yeah, actually, I um similarly got a new car when I was, it was a 2008, but it was in 2007. I think we graduated at the same time. Uh, my I had a hand-me-down Volvo station wagon, which was my second hand-me-down car. And I was driving one day, I was helping a friend move, and the water pump blew up. I didn't know that's what was wrong with the car. I just <laughs> knew the check engine light came on. And that was the last time the car ever moved. The repair would have been more expensive than the car was worth multiple times over so oh, I um, was like well I work a 40 minute drive from home I was living with my parents at the time so I could talk my mom into driving me to work you know a couple days but not like a regular thing <laughs> so I ended up right. getting a, uh, a brand new Corolla and I went back and forth with the used car thing but I put down a, a pretty sizable down payment on it and ended up with a monthly payment around 200 250 dollars a month something like that what i realized i paid the car off very quickly at a five-year loan i paid it off in two and a half years by doing mostly double payments things like that uh, but since my car loan ended you know let's round and say 10 years ago i've saved over twenty thousand dollars by not having a car payment and i figured this right? out recently it was a pretty mind-blowing thing so you know it's fun to joke about the cars and the speakers but you know those what feels like a small monthly payment, you know, only a couple hundred bucks. You know, what's who, well, less than your rent, you know, not, not a huge deal for some people, a huge deal for others. Um, but over time, that really adds up. And if you're leasing a car or, you know, even buy a car with a loan and you're stuck with just the $200 payment, that's over 20 grand a decade that you're spending on cars.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And not to mention all the other stuff that people add on. Uh, You know, one of my my friends recently bought a truck, but then he got rims and tires for the truck and then he lifted the truck. And so it's kind of like not only does he have, I don't know, I'm going to say like a $400 car payment on this truck, but, you know, he's also put in like another $4,000 in like aftermarket things, which is, shoot, almost maxing out your IRA. And I can guarantee you he's not maxing out his IRA this year. So anyways, it's just really kind of frustrating to see other people falling for that same thing. it's like they the financial
1: industry and retailers companies that are trying to sell you things make it really easy for you to buy them and spend more money that's what their whole purpose is so you have to think really hard each time you go out and swipe that card or, or sign a new lease or loan or something like that
0: absolutely i think it's important to do that math up front but i'll tell you on some of these things they make that math really challenging to figure out what's best yeah, if the math
1: is too difficult to figure it out that's probably something worth skipping i would yeah. think, because it's a general rule of thumb i, I, I recently will. looked it, at rent a center uh, somewhere i'd never gone as a customer but I, w- I was writing an article about it and i went in and i calculated what it would cost to buy direct from them buy it with their regular loan program and what it would cost to buy it you know, know online from a major retailer um, I, I just did a price search to find an average price of the item. It was like four or five times the price um, to have your payments over six months versus just buying it or over a year or two years. So you really think about that financing cost.
0: Totally. And you know, what really drives me nuts. I'm trying to get probably, probably gonna get a new cell phone here pretty soon And so I don't know if you have noticed all the cell phone carriers now make you like lease the phones from them So you can't you can buy the phone outright Let's say you're getting an iPhone you get like, you know spend that eight hundred dollars outright But most of them now make you lease it for like thirty dollars a month and when you do the math out there as well It's like they're gonna make an extra like 60 or 70 dollars over the life of your lease of the phone than you could have if you just bought the phone
1: actually um... For that, it was one of the reasons I switched. I was on Verizon for a long time, and I recently switched to Google Fi. And I say recently, I guess it's been uh, a year and a half, two years since I did that. Um, I had to buy my phone up front. That was part of the deal with Google Fi. I had to get a Google phone. I got the Nexus 6P. Um, But actually, Google was very cool. They let me pay for it with no financing charges as part of my monthly bill over two years. So they just took the price, divide by 24, and I pay that um every month on top of my bill and at the end that just goes to zero. So I thought that nice. was kind of a cool way to do it with and you know obviously Google's not your typical phone company. So, Absolutely so for not. me that worked yeah. great. And worked. Uh, the monthly cost to save me like 50%. So another budgeting big win. I cut my phone bill in half by buying my phone and moving. So um before we go, could you share, you know, let's say people want to um you know They want to really boost their investments, but they don't know where to invest. We mentioned um, a low-cost portfolio. We've mentioned IRAs and other um, types of investment accounts. For someone who's just started their job, let's say they're 22, making a good income, just set up their 401k, what types of accounts should they be using to put that
0: investment money away? Well, I think the first thing you do is you need to max out at least up to your employer's match for anything you get at your job. So if you get a 401k or maybe you have a 403b, if you work at a nonprofit, take advantage of your employer match. It's crazy that I think there was a study done that I want to say something like almost like 40% of people don't take advantage of their 401k up to their employer's match. which is just honest- like burning money. It's just literally leaving free money on your table. It's like walking by a briefcase
1: full of money that you're allowed to take when you turn 65 and just walking right by it.
0: It's ridiculous, right? So, like, take advantage of your employer's 401k or 403b, at least up to the match. Um, Once you're at the match, I honestly think most people should look at doing an IRA. Uh, And there's a lot of actually free ways to do an IRA. So I don't think people really realize this, but um, at most of the major brokerages, so I, I recommend Fidelity or TD Ameritrade, but you can open an IRA with $0 minimums. And they each have over 100 ETFs that are commission-free. So you could literally open an IRA with $5 and invest that $5 in an ETF, and it would not cost you anything out of pocket except for the expense ratio on the fund, which is also a low cost fund that you're investing in. So uh, beyond your 401k, I think you should honestly look at opening a free IRA at one of the major brokerages um, and uh, trying to max that out. So if you can max your, you know, take advantage of your employer's 401k to the match, then I'd say max your IRA. And if you're maxing your IRA, I would go back to your employer's 401k, unless you have a short term goal that you're trying to save for. Maybe you're trying to save for a house, Pay off your debt, student loans, something like that. We'll then tackle a new those. Acura. Yeah, if you're got a crazy car payment, get out of debt, right? So I would do four hundred one k IRA, get out of debt, or short term goal, whatever that could be, and then go back to maxing out that four hundred one k.
1: That's awesome. That's great advice, and, and I agree with everything Robert said there. You know, finding that low cost brokerage. I and mean, for me, it's Schwab. Another one I like is Vanguard, but they're all fairly similar. Um, some of exactly. them offer different. ETFs for free. Most of them offer their own fun family. So if there's one set of funds you like better, that's probably the brokerage you'd want to go to. But you know, at, at the end of the day, it's just being smart with your spending and saving and doing it habitually again and again and automating as much as you can because it's more likely
0: to happen if you don't have to think about it than if you do. Absolutely, and don't think you have to pay a fortune to get this done. Don't think that you have to um, do all this. I mean, there are literally free options out there, and you can just get started investing for free. And you could even
1: like ten dollars a month, you know, twenty dollars a month. It doesn't have to be big dollars, but it adds up over time. And that's that's what that's how you win. It's it's a marathon, not a not a sprint. <laughs> totally. So if um, if anyone wants to connect with you, learn more about you, and find you online, Robert, where should they go?
0: You can find me at thecollegeinvestor.com. And I have everything that you need about getting out of student loan debt and starting to invest and building wealth for your future.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us, everyone. Robert's site is awesome. I have been to it many times, often using it as a reference myself. So definitely check that out. And thank you, Robert. And have a great rest of your day.
0: Cool. Thanks, Eric. Appreciate being here.
1: Well, that's another one in the books, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for sticking around till the end. If you learned something, make sure to share it with a friend who might be able to learn something, too, or stop by Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts to leave a rating to help some other people find the show. If you have any suggestions, tips, thoughts, you know, we've been doing this new format for about a month now, shoot me an email. You can reach me at eric at personal I look forward to hearing from you soon. And as always, until next time, stay profitable.